Hey, welcome to the Victory Family Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Victory, good morning. Hey, if that was for me, that's good enough. But now can you celebrate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Can you honor God that's in this place and all of our locations watching online? Hey, that's a golf clap. Can you act like this is an atmosphere of miracles that, that God is getting ready to move in our midst? Hallelujah. You can go ahead and grab your seat. Man, I am so excited to be here. I'm kind of excited. I'm kind of not. This is like what they call mixed emotions. And I'm excited because this is one of the greatest churches in this nation. And one of the things that I've discovered is sometimes you can be so close to something that you don't realize how good you have it. And you need your brother from another mother all the way from Baltimore to come over here and I'll let you know this church is not normal. This is not average. People don't get to walk into churches like this all over the nation. You are lucky. You are blessed. You are favored by God. And it's because of the amazing leadership that God has given you. Can you honor your pastors, Pastor John and Pastor Michelle? They are I have, a, uh, I have a time clock, so I'm not going to belabor this, but, but here's what I know that you may not know. That to build a church like this, to build a platform like this where lives are being transformed, there's tears that they've cried that you've never seen. There, there's battles that they've fought in prayer. They have stepped forward in faith to create a room for all of our lives to be transformed by the power of God. We are grateful for your sacrifice. We're grateful, grateful, grateful for your faith. I am... <coughs> I am as honored to be here as I am disgusted to be here Um, because it's Pittsburgh. I mean, it's like Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Pittsburgh? I'm not going to lie to you. When I first got the invitation, I denied it. I'm like, I'm not going to preach Pittsburgh. Like, there's no way. There's no God in Pittsburgh. Why would I go there? And then the second time they invited me, I was like, okay, I guess, you know, God sent Jonah to Nineveh and those sinners needed Jesus. So maybe I'll go to Pittsburgh and save some lost folks. So I'm, I, I, I love you with the love of God. I just don't like you. And uh, I'm sure the feeling is mutual, so it's all the way good. Hey, let me show you why I'm more blessed than you. And I know blessings aren't a competition, but for me, everything is a competition. I am more blessed than you. It's because my family is better looking than yours is. But if you can... It's so funny, I say that, people get offended, and then I show this picture, like, oh, they are a really good-looking family, aren't they? Sitting next to me is my beautiful wife. Her name is Zai Chandler. She's actually sitting on the front row. By the way, they brought the B-team preacher. If you want to hear a real preacher, my wife could preach me under a table. She is anointed and gifted by God. I call her my African queen because she hails from Sierra Leone, West Africa. Uh, Sitting on my lap is my oldest. She's five. Her name is Zoe. Her rapper name is Zozo. We give all our kids rapper names. So her rapper name is Zozo. Sitting on my wife's lap is my son, Roman. He is three. His rapper name is Roro. We have Zozo and Roro. So you can tell we are not very creative whatsoever. And then it was a really long pandemic. So we had nothing to do. So we made another one. This is, <laughs> this is Jade Mariah. And uh, her rapper name is J-Mo. So we have Zozo, Roro, and J-Mo. So you can tell rappers are not what God has called us to do. But I pray for Jane. She looks like an angel, uh, but she's actually a fallen angel because about 2 a.m. every night she wakes up and begins to shout and scream and uh, she hasn't learned to sleep through the night yet. And we left her home. 
So last night was the best sleep that we've had in four months. So I apologize in advance for this message being four hours long, but I am rested and I am ready to go. You can take that down. Um, I can hear from God. I just, I kind of just missed it when I got married though. Uh, because we, we went through nine weeks of premarital counseling and we talked about a bunch of dumb stuff like honor, respect, love, budgeting, you know, that foolishness that doesn't affect the marriage whatsoever. And uh, somehow we forgot to talk about team loyalty. So I show up to my honeymoon ready to rumble. I mean, I'm ready to praise the Lord. And this woman shows up with one of them terrible toilet papers that y'all people use or whatever. It turns out she was a Steelers fan, never came up in marriage counseling. I don't even know if we would have walked down the aisle if I had known it before. But twice a year, we are a family divided. And I am praying over my children every day that they will not be corrupted. All right, let me pray and preach before y'all hate me even more. First Samuel chapter one, first Samuel chapter one, verse eight. If you have it, you can turn to it. If not, it'll be up on the screen. And it reads this, then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart so grieved? Am I not better to you than 10 sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. But pause there really quickly. I think the Bible is probably the funniest book we've ever read in our lives. But sometimes we miss the humor in it. Here's Hannah. She's barren. She's unable to have children. She's crying out to God that he would bless her with a child. And she's at the dinner table crying. And her husband's like, why are you crying? Aren't I better to you than any kids you can ever have? And Hannah apparently went to the same premarital counseling I did, because as you read scripture, she didn't even speak to the man. The Bible says she just stood up and walked. You ever heard a question so dumb, it didn't even warrant a response? You're just not even talking to you. So she just stood up and she walked out. It says, now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. She had gone to the church. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me. Somebody say, remember me. Come on, somebody say, remember me. Man, for some of you, that's the only message you need to hear today. Some of you feel like God's forgotten about you that he's overlooked you, that he has bigger things in life. Some of us, it's easy to feel like we're invisible. And I feel like God sent me to tell you that he has never forgotten you. That it may look like he's not at work in your life, but he is at work in your future. And he has plans for you that are better than you can even pray for yourself. She said, remember me and do not forget your maidservant, but will you give your maidservant a male child? I love how specific she was. I want a son. And she said, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful. God, for this divine moment, this collision between heaven and earth. How can we say that it's a moment of miracles? Because you're here. We have two people here, and you said wherever two or three are gathered in your name, there will be also. And God, you wouldn't show up if it wasn't to heal bodies, to open eyes, to speak wisdom, peace, and direction. God, we're making the decision preemptively that when you speak, we will obey. Father God, the Bible calls you the Lion of Judah. Today, the Detroit Lions will defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
and amen. Hey, I have the microphone and you don't, so I'm going to do what I've got to do. <laughs> I don't even think God cares about football. Hey, before I preach, I do need you to understand this. Preaching is a team sport. Are you guys with me? It's not a you sit there quietly and me give you all that God told me. It's a team sport. So as we preach this together, can you talk back at me? Can you can you say things like amen and ooh, that's good and, and preach, preacher. And, you know, sometimes you may not know what to say. You could just stand up and, and give that stank face. You ever seen people in church? Like, that's when it's so good, it just stinks. It's just, can you, come on, try this with me. Just, now, now, maybe you didn't grow up in a church where they talk back. You, you're one of those churches that's just quiet and respectful. You feel like talking in the middle of the message is disrespectful. Let me help you out. Here's why you talk in a message. As a preacher is preaching, Pastor John may never have told you this, but, but as he preaches, if, if you're silent, he begins to think, maybe they're not understanding. Maybe they're not getting it. So he preaches longer and longer and longer and longer because he really wants you to get it. The more you say amen, the preacher's like, okay, they're getting it. So we can speed it up. So you determine how long the message is by how much you say amen. You see, I just helped you out. You didn't even know that. Now I've, I've helped you. <laughs> Y'all gonna find out real quick I'm crazy. I, I am excited to be at Victory Family Church, and I'm telling you why. Because this is a church that is on the verge of miracles that you cannot even wrap your mind around. The favor of God is on this house, and he's getting ready to open doors that you didn't even know to pray for. He's getting ready to bring souls back to the kingdom of God in ways that you never even thought possible. Hear me, this church is on the verge of a supernatural revival. And just in case you don't feel like an amen, let me help you out a little bit. It's not just the church that is on the verge of miracles, but you are the church and miracles are getting ready to visit your home and your business and, and, and your body and your, 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 your marriage and every single area of your life. Now about 60% of them are like, amen, preach that. We have the miracles. About 40% of y'all are like, I, I don't know, what makes you so sure, you little Chris Rock-looking preacher? I don't even know. It. <laughs> you know you were thinking that. But you may be saying, why are you so confident that now, all of a sudden, this season, we're on the verge of miracles? Here's why I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, because of what happened last week. I was talking to your pastor and he said, we have seen our church give in an extravagance of generosity that is just not normal and is just not average. And because of that, miracles are just around the corner. Now, I got to say this very carefully because the theology in it is, is important. Money does not buy miracles. You cannot bribe God or twist his hand behind his back with your money. He does not need your money. Matter of fact, the Bible says he has a Cadillacs on a thousand hills. He has more. It says something like that. He has more than you could ever imagine. It's not money that moves God. It's obedience that moves God. And over the last few weeks as a church, we've been praying, hearing from God. And last week and this week and throughout the rest of this year, we're going to be obeying God with our very best offering. And hear me, every time God speaks to you and tells you to, to give to this offering or to speak to this person or pray for that person, every time God speaks to you, it's a test. 
to see if he can trust you with more influence and more miracles and more open doors and victory family. You have passed the test last week. You obedient to the voice of God. And because of that, he is getting ready to take you to a new level of influence in this region. I believe my assignment over the next four hours of this message is to... <laughs> Three people just ran for the door. <laughs> I got the... I believe that my assignment is to prepare your heart to receive all that God has for you. I'm going to get in trouble, but that's okay. I'm going home after this, so it's all good. Just because God's promised something doesn't mean it's going to come to pass in your life. The Bible says that all the promises of God are yes and amen. Watch this. It says God says the yes, but we speak the amen. And amen means I want that in my life. And just because God wants to do something for us, if not just our words, but our life is not in the right position to receive all that God has for us, he can desire to do it, but it could still never come to pass. And my assignment is to get our hearts and our lives in a position where not just our mouths, but our lives are saying amen. Our lives are saying, God, we want all. Come on, say that with me. Say, I want all that God has for me. And as our hearts in position, we'll see this. Y'all know 2021 is almost over. I don't know what you were planning on doing this year, but whatever you're planning on doing this year, you better do it because this year we have literally seven weeks left and it's 2022. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm so excited because I'm one of those holiday Christmas junkies. I'm telling you, Christmas comes around. I'm playing Christmas music already. I'm decorating the house. I'm bringing out the lives. I'm just one of those. If I was not a preacher, I'd get a job as Santa's little helper because I am just like Christmas comes and I'm just like ready to rumble. Me and my wife have been in a non year war and she has not yet submitted to my authority so we're working this out but we're fighting over a fake Christmas tree versus a real Christmas tree she she said I'm tired of cleaning up pine cones and can't we just have a fake Christmas tree and I'm like woman do we serve a fake God do we read a fake Bible no he's a real God and we will have a real Christmas tree it's not Christmas until you're uh, vacuuming up pine cones in the middle of February and finding them in every little doorstop and all that other, because I just love, I just love the holidays. I, I like Thanksgiving, but I skip right over it. It's all about Christmas. I love Christmas shopping. I won't ask people what they want. I'm going to get you what I want you to have. I don't care what you want. I'll let you know what you're going to have, and you're going to be grateful. Anybody you started your Christmas shopping already, you're just ahead of the game. Come on, these are, these are some leaders in this place. Anybody, you're not starting until two weeks before Christmas. You love the rush, the thrill. The, any Christmas Eve shoppers, like I'm talking about two, two hours before the mall shuts down, you're in there, you're elbowing people out of the way, you're grabbing whatever on the shelf. The, the Christmas Eve shoppers, they have the mindset of, you should just be grateful you're getting anything from me. I mean, I know it's not your size and you hate this color, but listen, okay, at least I got you something. Remember back in the day when we actually used to go to the mall? Instead of now all Christmas shopping is you pull out your phone and you just order and it shows up your doorstep the next day. Ten years ago, nobody used to do that because shipping and handling was more expensive than the actual item you were buying. You buy a $20 toy and pay $40 to get it there next day. Nowadays, they'll get it in three days and two days. Some stuff, it can be the same day shipping. 
one of the things, there's a lot of things that irritates me, but one of the things that drives me nuts was when I'll order something online and I'll click next day shipping. I don't know about you, but I, I think if it says next day, it should show up the next day. <laughs> so if I click next day shipping, I'm going outside of my house the next day and I'm looking for my package the next day. And sometimes I'll look and it's not there. I'm calling my neighbor, they're thieves. So I'm just like, did y'all steal my package? Or, you know, where did it go <laughs> or whatever it may be. And then I'll go online and check on my package and I'll see something say package delayed, being delivered three days from now. And I'm like, well, you didn't delay my payment. You took my next day charge, and I'll just get frustrated. Can I ask you a question? You ever been frustrated with God? You ever felt like God was delayed? You ever felt like he, he, he could have done this miracle the next day? And it hasn't been the next day, it's been the next week, the next month, the next year. Now, now, we're not dumb enough to say that we're mad at God because we read the Old Testament. We've seen him kill people. We're just like, you know, maybe he still does that and the ground still opens up or whatever. So I'd never say that I'm mad at God. But if we were to be honest, there's a frustration in our heart. God, why haven't you healed me yet? God, why haven't you restored a relationship with my child or with a parent or with a loved one? Why is my business not taken off yet? And, and we just kind of sit here in this sense of, God, do you even remember me? That's where Hannah found herself, just frustrated with God. The Bible doesn't tell us if she was barren and never had children or if it was miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. All we know is it was a season of pain followed by a season of pain, followed by a season of pain. She's crying out to God saying, Lord, will you? Lord, will you? Lord, will you? And then all of a sudden, for some reason, her prayer changes. And it goes from Lord, will you, to God, if you. It changes from God, will you do this for me, to God, if you do this for me. God, I will return this son unto you. I'll bring him to the temple and he'll be a priest all the days of his life. And it was with that shift that God granted her prayer. I have a really simple message for you. God wants to do a miracle in your life. But he's waiting for the paradigm shift to come that all miracles are not just for our consumption, but he wants to do something in us so that he can then do something through us. The book of James, chapter four, verse three says this. It says, even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole aim is, he said, you're pointing at the wrong thing. He said, you want only what will give you pleasure. James said, if all of our prayers are just about how it's gonna impact us, Instead of how we can impact people around us, James said, your prayer is off. I don't know about Pittsburgh. In Maryland, you're allowed to get your driver's license at 16. And I remember as soon as I turned 16, I went to my parents like, I'm 16. I'm ready to get my driver's license. They said, no, you will not. I said, why not? And they said, because we don't trust you. He said, we definitely don't trust you with a 3,000-pound vehicle that can drive 100 miles per hour. So 16 went by, 17 went by. It's not until I turned 18 that I got my driver's license. They said, we still don't trust you, but you're old enough that you can do it without us. So go ahead and not 
here's what I've discovered. Even though God has promised stuff in his word, there's also things that he withholds from us. For this reason, he said, your faith is not mature enough. If I gave you this miracle, you would spend it on yourself instead of see how you can use it to advance the kingdom of God. I want to give you just three quick thoughts, three quick thoughts about preparing our hearts receive all that God has for us. If you could write this down, I'd really appreciate it. I don't know if you know this, but statistics show that you are 84% more likely to make it into heaven if you take notes in church. So I'm just trying to give you the best shot I can. Now, the statistics show that 79% of statistics are made up. So you can take that any way that you want. The first thing is this. We need to switch from being a consumer to a distributor. If we're going to receive all that God has for us, there has to be a paradigm shift from consumer to contributor. I was hiding uh, from my children uh, one day, hoping they wouldn't find me, and I was in the basement kind of just watching TV, and I ended up on this kind of pointless documentary. I don't know how we end up watching stuff that makes no sense, but I was watching a documentary on Amazon. And they were kind of walking through how your package gets to your door within hours of you clicking by now. And the way that they were unpacking is Amazon all over the nation, really all over the world, they have these things called fulfillment centers. They're these ginormous warehouses that have all of the products you can possibly ever desire. The average fulfillment center is 1.2 million square feet. Like, I couldn't even wrap my mind around what does 1.2 million square feet look like. So I looked it up, and it's about 59 Raven stadiums. If you want to know how much 1.2 million, I don't know what the Steelers stadium looks like, never been, have no intentions of going. But if you want to know a real stadium, it's about 59 <laughs> football fields is the size of this one Amazon warehouse. And they have these in every state all over the nation. There's over 800 employees that make this fulfillment center operate, hundreds of robots that are moving all day. Watch this, over a million products sit in this warehouse at all times. What happens is you may grab your phone or go on the computer or whatever it may be, and you may decide, I need Jergens lotion. I've ran out of Jergens lotion. I need some Jergens lotion. And you click on Amazon, and the second you click buy now, and they've already saved your credit card, even though you didn't ask them to, which I want to know how that works out. But anyway, soon as you click buy now, a robot instantly goes to bin F, row 100, grabs the lotion, drops it in a box, seals it up, and that box is headed to your door within five minutes of you clicking buy now. Every time a product is purchased in the fulfillment center, it triggers something at a distribution center that says, hey, we need to replace this product because they just sent it out. Now, you got to understand, preachers, we're really messed up people. Like, we can't watch anything without seeing a message in it. So I'm watching this Amazon fulfillment deal, and the Holy Spirit's just speaking to me, and he's like, that's what the kingdom of God has mixed up. And I'm like, we have Amazon mixed up. We should have up at Walmart. What are we mixed up? I'm confused. And he said, no, no, no. Their order in the supply chain is what they have mixed up. As I'm unpacking this, the Holy Spirit says, believers feel like we are the people at home placing an order on heaven. That we're saying, I need healing, I need peace, I need joy, I need wisdom for my business or whatever. And, and, and we grab the app. 
and we call on the promises that God has for us and we make that order and then somehow we feel we just sit in our houses and wait for heaven to fulfill that order. I feel like the Holy Spirit said, Stephen, as a believer, you're not the consumer at home waiting for a product from heaven to show up. He said, you are the distribution center. You're not the one waiting to receive. You're the one that I have equipped with everything that you need that you can distribute to people around you. And it's a dying, broken world that is actually making demands on our life. Here's the paradigm shift. We're not the end product. We're the middleman that God wants to distribute hope, distribute peace, distribute joy through. And God says, yes, I want to bless your family, bless your business, give all that you need, but I got to make sure that it doesn't get stuck with you, but that it's able to flow through you. Here's what Hannah said. Verse 27, she said, for this child I pray. God, I cried out for this child. And the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also, watch this, have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord. Watch it. She loaned her son to God for the work of the ministry. Has it ever thought to you, crossed your mind that God needs nothing from us? Like, he's God. He is self-sufficient. He does not need anything from us, but he wants something from us. And what he's asking is, would we be willing to loan parts of our lives to him? For example, would you loan your business to God? Would you loan your job to God? Would you loan your marriage to God? I don't even know what that looks like. How do you loan a marriage to God? I'm confused. Here's what that looks like. God, this is my spouse, and we're building a great family, and we're grateful that you've brought us together. But God, will you use our marriage as a message to the world of what the love of God looks like? God, could you use us as an example to bring hope and healing to people? God, I know that you've blessed my business, and you've grabbed a lot of amazing employees. But God, I'm praying that you would send people that need to know you, people that are desperate for more of you, that I can help not just create income for their families, but hope for their eternity. I've discovered if I can figure out how to use the different areas of my life to point back to Jesus, that he will bless them in ways that I never thought possible. Can, can I really, really mess with you? You ever looked around the world and be like, this world is jacked up. Like, these people, these people need Jesus. Can I tell you something? They don't need Jesus. They need you. You know, when Jesus hung on the cross and he said, it is finished. You know what he meant? My job here is done. It's now on the people of God, the church of God, the believers of God to share the hope, the freedom, the peace, the healing. Listen to me, this world, anything we complain about, the education system, the government, the financial, they're not waiting on Jesus, they're waiting on us to distribute the hope that God's, can somebody say prove it? I love when y'all say stuff like that. I don't know if I can trust you. Prove it. Okay, Romans chapter 8, verse 19 says this. For the creation, the world waits with eager longing for the revealing. What does that say? Does it say they're waiting on God? No, no, no. 
They're waiting on God's kids. They're waiting on you and I not to hoard the hope and the joy and the life that we've found, but to freely give as we've freely received. I got to see myself not just as a consumer, but a contributor, a distributor of the hope of God. The second thing is this. We have to learn to look for orders to fill. We have to learn to look for the need around us and how we can meet it. Amazon's easy. If you want something, you just go on an app and you order it. The problem is people around us that need the hope in Jesus that we have, they're not just going to ask for it. Your neighbor is not going to come up to you and say, I, can I meet the Jesus that you know? I don't know what your neighbor sounds like. That's what my neighbor sounds like. <laughs> you can tell I don't like my neighbors. <laughs> they're not going to come in. I need hope. Do you have hope? That's not what the order of the world sounds like. It sounds more like this was the worst day of my life. And you don't realize it, but what they've really said is, do you have hope? Because I don't. Man, if something doesn't change, I'm going to leave my spouse. And if we don't have the ears of heaven, we're going to miss the fact that that person just placed an order on the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It happened to the disciples in Acts chapter 3, verse 6. It says, Peter and John, they were heading to church. On their way to church, they, they walked by a beggar, a man that was paralyzed, and he was begging for money. He said, alms, alms for the poor. And look what Peter said. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. One of the things that I do, and I'm not sure if you do this, I'm going to just throw myself under the bus. I can climb under the bus with me. I, I focus a lot on what I don't have. I, 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 I'll, I'll look at the need around me. I'll look at the wisdom that people need or whatever it may be. It's like, man, if I had, I would give it, but I don't have it, so I can't give it. And we see problems. Oh, my goodness. We look at our education or our government or finance and all this kind of stuff, and the problem seems so big. And we seem so insignificant. We're like, man, there's nothing I can do about that. Here's what Peter and John said. He said, I don't have money. But that which I do have, I'll give you. And here's what I do have. I have the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and his, his name rise up and walk. And then he made a bold statement. He grabbed the man by his hand. He took him by the right hand, lifted him up. And he, I can see that paralyzed man. He's like, oh my gosh, I can't walk. In that moment, that man was healed. Watch this. He was asking for money. But what he received was supernatural healing. My prayer is that God would give us eyes, not to give people what they're asking for, but to give them what they need. If Peter and John had given him money, he would have been there begging the next day. But because he received the power of healing from God, he was able to stand up and build. Hear me, you may not have the money that they're asking for, but you have the hope in Jesus that they need. We just have to learn how do we give what God has given to us. A few years back, I was uh, heading to a store, it's called Fast Signs, and our church was moving locations. I was picking up some signs for the building, and, and, and I'm not very proud of this, but I kind of am, because it was Monday, and uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but preachers, we work on Sundays, so uh, Monday's kind of just like, a, uh, if we could skip it, it'd be a great day, and I'm just like not feeling very pastoral or preacher or whatever it be. I'm a little irritated, if I could be honest with you. <laughs> And I walk into Fast Signs, and there's this line, and there's this one teller, I mean, who has to be the slowest human being on planet Earth. And I'm just like, good 
gracious, are you serious? And I, I was impatient before I got in there, and now it's just worse. And I'm sitting there, and someone's designing a sign, and I'm just like, can I just pick my stuff up and leave? And they could finish designing a horrible sign. Nobody's coming to your store anyway with that sign. But I'm thinking all these things because I'm just a really horrible person. But anyway, they get through the line, and I finally get up. And, 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 and not only was she slow, but she was happy. There's nothing worse than someone slow and happy. She's like, hey, how's it going? How can I help you? And I'm thinking, you know how you can help me? You can stop smiling and speed up. But anyway, <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, I'm here to pick up some signs. Here's the name of the church. She's like, oh, I had so much fun making your sign. I mean, it sounds like a great, I'm like, can you just get the sign? So she's like, I'll go get it for you. And she stands up off her stool and begins to walk to the sign in the back like this. Ah! 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 She had her leg bandaged up, and apparently she had broken her ankle. You understand, as a believer filled with the Holy Spirit, whenever we hear people say, ah, ah, what we really hear is, pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. But it was Monday. <laughs> so I was irritated. So all I'm hearing is, pray for me. Pray for me. And I'm like, no. No. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I didn't want to pray for it. I just wanted my sign. I didn't want to go home. The whole time, the Holy Spirit was just convicting me. You need to pray for her. I'm like, God, oh, this isn't church. This is fast signs. You don't heal at fast signs. Can I, can I just... Go. But I've been walking with the Holy Spirit enough to know that when you ignore him, the conviction just gets stronger. And I'm like, if I ignore him and drive off, he's just going to make me drive back an hour from now. So she comes from the back and I said, hey, I, I'm a believer. I think God can heal you. Do you mind if I pray for you? And she was still happy. Oh, my gosh, I would love that. <laughs> I didn't feel like praying. So I go and I put my hand on her shoulder and I want to tell this story, and there's a reason why I'm telling it this way. I didn't pray what you think a preacher prayer would be. I didn't pray some big faith. I decree healing in the name of be healed. In That's what I think preachers sound like. I just receive your healing. Receive, 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 receive. <laughs> you can tell I've been in church too long. It wasn't some spooky, like, spiritual moment. Well, he just laid my hand on his shoulder and said, God, you said that the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of me. And God, I believe that power is enough to heal her ankle. God, I pray that you'd heal every broken bone. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And I said, how does it feel? She goes, ah! <laughs> Thanks for praying. In other words, what she was saying is, it didn't work. It's Monday, I'm irritated. Waited all, I obeyed the Holy Spirit, and it didn't work. I mean, I felt this big. And here's what happens. And in scenarios like that, the enemy begins to attack with, with guilt and shame. And he's like, well, God didn't heal you because you're not powerful enough. You haven't been praying the way you're supposed to be praying. It's because you had a bad attitude. That's why God couldn't move. And all these different thoughts are going through my mind. And I, 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 I had a, it was a bad Monday, and that was a horrible Monday. Went on about my business. I came back the next week because I had more signs to pick up. When I opened the door, she sees me, and she screams. 
She said, you would not believe it. About an hour after you left. I'm like, really got an hour? You couldn't have done it in front of me, made me look good. She's like, an hour after you left. She said, all the pain is gone. She said, I went back to the doctor. My bone is healed. It's, the swelling is gone. It's like, oh, oh my gosh. Oh. And I tell this story that way for this reason. God doesn't need some super faith Christian to move miraculously through. He just needs somebody that's available, someone that's willing to take a little bit of a social risk and saying, God, this may be awkward in this moment, but if you want me to pay, pray over this waitress, if you want me to encourage this coworker, if you want me to speak, God, I am available, use me. Matter of fact, in the last few weeks, we have seen healing break out in our church in a way that we have never seen before. And for some reason, it always starts with my frustration. <laughs> I, I was playing golf a few weeks ago, and I'm a horrible golfer, so it was the worst golf day of my life. But it's every day is the worst golf day of my life. And I had suffered through 18 holes. I was just exhausted. Threw my golf clubs in the car, wasn't paying attention, and I slammed my thumb in the car door. Exactly. It felt just like that. Yeah, it's like, did you cuss? Did you cry? There's a level of pain where words don't even come out. You're just, I sat on the curb for like 10 minutes just looking at my thumb as it's growing in front of my face. Like, what did I just do? Now, I'm all the way man, so I just put a little dirt on it and just went on about my business, figure it's good. Woke up at 1 in the morning that night. I was in so much pain, the room was spinning. Went to the ER, they took an x-ray, there was a fracture right on the inside of my thumb. I was irritated because I had a golf trip coming up with your pastor three weeks after that. I'm like, really? This is when I'm going to break my thumb. The one week I actually need a thumb. <laughs> I just got mad. I blame the enemy. You're like, you're the clumsy guy who slammed the door in the car. It wasn't the enemy. I was like, well, I'm going to blame the enemy. So I blame him. And I said, fine, if I'm going to break my thumb, I'm going to pray for every single sick person that walks through the doors of the church this weekend. And that's exactly what we did at the beginning of every service. It didn't get weird. It didn't get spooky. I was just like, hey, if there's sickness in your body or a loved one, raise your hand. I would love to pray for you. When I tell you miracles have broken out in our church over the last few weeks, we literally had a baby that was, blowing, was born unable to see out of one of his eyes and at six months went back to the doctor. The doctor said, I don't know what happened, but full sight is restored. He can see normally. I had an employee that had been diagnosed with MS and was going in for the last uh, diagnosis. And the third time she went in, the doctor said, I don't know what everybody else saw, but there are no legions on your brain. There is no evidence, no symptoms of MS. I mean, crazy diseases healed, but my thumb was still broke. I'm like, yeah, you can heal blind eyes and MS, but you can't heal my thumb. I go to the ortho surgeon that week just to figure out how long it's going to take to heal. They take the x-ray. I sit down with the surgeon, and he says, why are you here? He has my records in front of him. He said, I'm here because I broke my thumb. I got a trip. I'd like to see how fast it's going to heal. He said, there is no evidence of a broken thumb on this x-ray. Not that it was broken and that it healed. There is no evidence that there was a fracture whatsoever. I have an x-ray of a fractured thumb and then an x-ray of a thumb that was healed five days later. Now, I still lost my fingernail, and I'm just like, God, you could have healed it all, but I'll take the broken thumb healed. Hear me? God is a powerful God. 
He desires to move through our lives. And you don't have to be some super Christian. You just have to be available. Matter of fact, do you mind if I pray right now? There's people at our locations watching the line, seeing this room. If there's sickness in your body or even a loved one that's sick, just wave at me really quickly. I don't need to know what it is, but just wave at me. It could be migraines. Somebody in the last service was suffering from migraines. It, it could be cancer. It could be diabetes, arthritis, whatever it is. Just wave at me one more time. Good deal. All right, I'm going to pray, but I need you to do me a favor. Can you pray with me? In this moment, let's just pray, Father God, we're grateful. God, that you are a healer, you're creator of heaven and earth. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, it quickens our mortal body. And God, we're praying right now, God, that you would dissolve cancer, God, that you would heal diabetes, that you would relieve pain from arthritis, that you would heal migraines, dear God, that, that you would reverse, God, what has been taking place in our bodies. God, you made us, so thus you can remake us. God, we're grateful and we're thankful in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, take about 30 seconds and just praise God. Thank him that he's a healer, that he's powerful, that he's almighty in our lives. As I get ready to close, I'm telling you, God is doing supernatural healing in this moment right now. And as you get it confirmed by a doctor, let the church know. We want to celebrate with you what God is doing in your life. Amen. Last thing is this, write this down, we're gonna land this plane. We need to recognize our limitless source. If we're gonna learn to be contributors and not just consumers, we're gonna have to learn that we live in a place where there is no lack, where we have a source that has no limits. One of the things that I find, and I really wanna challenge you to change the way that you read your Bible. So often we read our Bible like Christians, and I want to challenge you to read your Bible like a human. Well, what do you mean by that? As Christians, we read our Bible knowing the end of the story. So when Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den, we're like, oh, it's no big deal. God shuts the mouth of the lion. He can say, Daniel didn't know that. Daniel thought he was going to go see Jesus that day, ripped to shred by lions. That's a bad way to go. But yet he still refused to bow a knee to an idol. What faith would that take? As I'm reading this story about Hannah, I just can't imagine the agony that she went through. Maybe you and your spouse have experienced a miscarriage or a loss of a child or just a desire to have kids and it not yet be granted. For year after year after year after year, she's crying out to God until finally he answers her prayer. Me and Zai look at each other at two in the morning when Jade is crying, saying, it's your turn. You go, you go, you go. It's never my turn, by the way. Pray for me. I bet Hannah was excited to wake up in the middle of the night. She's like, I prayed for this baby for a decade. There's no way I'm going to complain now. And for a year, she, she changed diapers and she fed. She nursed and she coddled. All knowing in the back of her mind, that as soon as he was weaned, she'd have to give him up. Can you imagine that day when she dropped him off at the temple? I mean, yeah, I've been praying for this miracle my whole life, and, and I'm grateful for the miracle, but now it's a miracle I won't get to see. I mean, she was taking her only son, leaving him at the temple. Can you imagine what it was like to have a miracle that that she couldn't see his first day of school. But when he skinned his knee, she wasn't there to put a Band-Aid on it. 
She was dropping with a priest by the name of Eli. Eli was a man of God. He was just a horrible father. <laughs> and she's like, this is who I'm leaving my kid with. Here's what happened the day she dropped her son off of the temple. First Samuel chapter two, verse 20, it says, and Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, the Lord give you descendants from this woman from the loan that was given to the Lord. Then they would go to their own home and the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Watch this. Hannah prayed for one son, but because she had the faith to return that one son to the Lord, God said, I know you prayed for one kid, but I'm gonna give you six because I am the God that does exceeding and abundantly above all that you can ever ask, think, or imagine. Watch this. The first miracle you receive from God is a test miracle. It's not all that God has for you. It's a test to see if you're going to be faithful with his first miracle. In it. And if you take that and turn selfish, he's going to say, I'm so glad I learned that now about you so I can't trust you with the more. But if he blesses you with that relationship, with that business expansion, with whatever it is, and you don't talk about, oh, it was my degree that got me here. Well, I made it through the pandemic because I'm a great leader. But you would dare say, if it had not been for the grace of God, for the mercy of God, for his hand on my business and on my marriage and on my... He said, if you'll return it back to me, there is more where that came from. For so many of us, we're like, God, you want me to give this? This is the last that I have. God says, this is the last that you have, but it's far from the last that I have. And if you would live a generous life, he said, you will always have more than you need. Because it's my desire that you're generous in every single area. Victory, I'm telling you, God has more for you than you can even know to pray for question is, are we going to hold it on to ourselves? Or are we going to say, God, as quickly as you give it to me, I'm going to give it right back to you. Come on, that's a good place to praise God. Hey, can I pray for you? Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful. God, you don't have to use us, but God, you want to. You want to include us in what you're doing in this season of this nation, this city. God, we're grateful. God, I pray that you'd show us ways to return our marriage and our business, our kids, and our hopes and our dreams back to you. Right where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, can you, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a, make, a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. Some of you are business owners, and God says, I want you to turn your business into a place of revival. Some of you guys say, man, I need you to use your marriage to show people what the hope of God looks like. For some of you, the reality is that you have nothing to give to others because you do not have the limitless source that is Jesus Christ in your life. You see, you can't give without first receiving. Today is a day for you to receive the hope the peace and the purpose that you've been searching for. The reality is that the day you were born is not the day you began to live. The day you begin to live is the day that you surrender your life to Jesus, who the Bible says is life itself. 
So if you're in here, if you're in our campuses, if you're watching the line, and if you'd be honest enough to say, Pastor, I believe in your God. I've just never surrendered to him. Maybe you're like me and you grew up in church and you know how to do church. You just don't have a relationship with the God of the church. Or maybe someone tricked you into coming to church. You don't even really know what's going on, but you know, Pastor, I, I don't know Jesus the way that you're talking about, but I want to. Man, if that's you, it'd be my greatest honor, my greatest privilege to introduce you to a God that loves you more than you can love yourself. If you're ready to make that decision, can you pray this prayer with me? And you're, you're not praying it to me. You're praying to a God that is right there, ready to step into your life. Matter of fact, there's an entire church. Can we pray this together out of encouragement of those that are making the greatest decision ever? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for seeing me, for wanting me, for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross so all my sin, all of my mistakes can be erased. Today, right now, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate for every single person that made the greatest decision ever? God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Victory Family Church. If you enjoyed listening, please take a moment to rate, review, and share. For more resources, including locations and service times, please visit lifeatvictory.com. 